Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. All right, I want to talk to you heart to heart tonight from the scripture, Luke chapter 15. Tonight we're going to talk about born for relationship. Born for relationship. Uh, the older I get, the more I learn the Bible, the more I learn about life, the better I hear Jesus. It all boils down to one thing, and that's just relationship. Well, we're just born for relationship. That's all that matters. All the other stuff just supports relationship. And life's all about relationship. If you miss relationship, you miss the reason you were born. How many of you think you were born for a reason? All right, we got we have to settle this issue. I, I mentioned this over and over because there's strange teaching in the land. You were not born just to do the best you can, suck eggs and die. You were created with a purpose. And all through the Bible, we see this truth. One of my favorites is Acts 17, where it says, he created us so that we might. So that tells me I was created for a reason that we might look for him and find him and enjoy him. For in him, we live and move and have our big. And we were created for relationship with a father. We were created, created for relationship with people. What's the first thing that wasn't good in the earth? Anybody know? First thing God ever said wasn't good in the earth. Everything was good. The plants was good. The animals was good. The fishing was good. And all of a sudden, it is not good that a man should be alone. And people not in relationships is the first thing not good that the Bible says happened in the planet. And uh, sin came in the earth. And sin only does one thing. Hurts relationships. That's all it does. It just ruins relationships vertical and horizontal. So we're going to talk tonight about born for relationships and uh, personal relationships. I was visiting with the, Katie and I had lunch with the family this past Sunday. And um, we got done and the, Katie and the lady went outside. And the man and I, we sat there at the table and visited for a while. And, and I said, well, tell me how you came to our church. I think they've been here four or five years. And he told me the events that led up them coming to our church. He, uh, I think he was chairman of the deacons at the church he came from. She was the youth director. And, you know, they did everything from clean the toilets to run the church. And they just were the backbone of that church. And he said, you know, since coming to this church, he said, one of the things I love, and it's so different, he said, you emphasize a personal relationship with a father. He said, every place I've been before, it was about duty and serving and what you couldn't do and what you could do. But he said, you emphasize a personal relationship. That's not a, an important point. That's the whole deal. It's all about having a relationship with a father. All right. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came to the earth and he brought a message. I mean, if you believe Jesus brought a message when he came, yes. what was the message? Here, here's the message. The creator of this universe, uh, he's a relational God. Amen. He's relational. He created us for relation. He's seeking relation. And that's the bottom line. It's, that's why we were there. And you have a heavenly father. You may never have heard his name. You, you may have never heard of him or you don't know him, but he is seeking a relationship with you. That's why he put you in his planet. And if you miss that, you miss the purpose of your creation. I don't care what else you accomplish. If you miss the relationship, you miss the whole purpose of your creation. And this is a great struggle. I want us to look in Luke 15 tonight at the message Jesus brought and why it is so controversial. Why it caused, there was, Jesus was a lightning rod. He caused more trouble. Every place he went, there was either a, a a, a, a race or a rebellion or a riot. He just caused so much trouble. He was not the mild-mannered preacher. What was the problem? Well, it's because he came with a different message. Even John got messed up with the message. But here's the message of Jesus, Luke 15. Here he is causing trouble again. Luke 15, verse 1. All the tax collectors and sinful people drew near to God to hear him. That's first time I ever read that, I just said, you got to be kidding me. Sinful people don't run to God now. Must have been something different about this God. But the Bible said all the sinners ran to him and drew near to him because they wanted to hear what he had to say. All right, here, here's my friends. Then the ministers, the Pharisees and the scribes complained. That's how you know they're ministers. They're complaining. This man actually receives sinners and enjoys eating with them. And the preachers are just stunned. Now remember Jesus came, he starts working miracles. And a lot of people are saying, this is, he's God. This is the Messiah. And the preachers are watching him. They don't know if he is or not. And, but they know, as, as one of them said, no man could do this stuff unless God's with you. No man could do the miracles you do. And they're watching him. And all of a sudden, this guy, he goes to Hooters. <laughs> or whatever. You know, some, he goes to this place 
and every sinful in the per person in the world comes to him and he's enjoying being with them. And this was the message that Jesus, what's the message Jesus brought in and lived out? God loves people. And God's a relational God. He wants to talk to people. He wants to relate to people. He wants them to talk to him and he wants to spend time with them. Well, this was just too much for the ministers. They just couldn't stomach this thing. And it was a shock. It, it's still a shock to religious people today that we have a relational God, that we were created to talk to him and listen to him. And I love the word, enjoy him. Amen. Now, so many friends I've had to me, I just, yeah, I've been in church 30 years. What's this enjoy stuff? I present to you the Word of God, Amen. the Bible. There, Jesus is the Word of God. He's the revelation of the Father. He walked on this earth. He enjoyed people, wanted people to enjoy Him, and He pursues relationship, all right? So Jesus, because the minute, you got to get the context or nothing matters. Because the ministers are struggling and upset that this guy who claims to be God enjoys people. He's going to tell a story to help them understand. It's called a parable. You ever heard of a parable? It is, if you don't understand parables, you'll never know Jesus because he said, I speak to them in parables. A parable is a story that has a story in it. And our job is to hear the story and find the story in it. And this is one of the famous parables. Matter of fact, there's three short ones here, little parables. And uh, I don't mean to mess your Bible up, but somewhere in your Bible along there, maybe about verse, uh, let me find the verse, maybe between verses 10 and 11. Does it say in your Bible, the parable of the prodigal son? or the parable of the lost son. This is not the parable of the prodigal son. I, not, don't throw me out of church for heresy. Which is what I'm fixing to say, where it says parable of the prodigal son. That's not part of the Bible. That's the reason it's in italics. God didn't write that. Mint wrote that in just a few years ago. <clears throat> just a few hundred years ago, we just put chapters and verses in there. But where it says parable of the prodigal son, somebody made that up recently. So I just want you to know, Jesus doesn't call it the parable of the prodigal son. Actually, it's the parable of the prodigal sons, plural. And this is the message. Everybody looks at this hell-raising boy and says, isn't it great how he came back? You missed the whole point of the parable. It's the parable of the prodigal sons. Both sons were prodigal. One was perfect, one was bad. Both of them missed it a mile. And Jesus came to address both issues. And the, the, I love this, this teaching so much because every human being that ever lived is in this passage somewhere. And it's one of the greatest revelations about life. And it's the parable of the prodigal sons. I, first, I want us to look at the bad boy. They, I'm going to call him bad boy, good boy. Okay? Because some people say prodigal, elder brother, bad boy, good boy. That's what y'all called him now. You probably call him worse than that. But right, you got the bad boy. And uh, I want you to see something about this bad boy. I want you to look for something as we read this. What did he want out of life? What was his pursuit in life? What was he living for? See if you can find it in here. The Bible said this, verse 11, Luke 15, 11. Certain man had two sons. Both of them were prodigals. The younger of them said to his father, give me the money, the portion of goods that falls to me. I want my inheritance now before you're dead. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, went to a far country, wasted his money with prodigal living. Now, if you don't know what prodigal living is, that's, that's French for hell raising. And you can, if you want to look down the road in verse 30, you find out that he spent the money on prostitutes. So he got a hotel of prostitutes. Probably, did they, Tim, did they have crack back then? I probably did. He spent it on crack, whatever. So he just takes his money. And, and uh, I met an old, old fellow the other day. The people I meet, he's in the store the other day. And I mean, he was 112 if he was a day old, grinning with no teeth. And he had on a shirt that said, I spent most of my money on gambling, whiskey, and wild women. The rest of it, I just throwed away. <laughs> I thought, well, so that's what this guy did. He just throwed his money away on wild women. He, I think he's a deacon somewhere. All right, I want you to watch this. Verse 14, he spent all there was. There arose a famine in that land, sort of a recession, he began to be in want. Joined himself to a citizen of that country, got a job. So he sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He would have been glad to have eaten the pig food, but no one gave him anything. What's it, what was he pursuing? What was, the, what was this guy's life all about? I'm going to live life the way I want to. He pursued my way. And he said, I want to live it the way I want to live it. And apparently he thought he could do pretty good. 
thought he could do better than he was with the father. So he pursues my way. Now I want you, I want to teach you a great life lesson here. He learned two things about living for yourself or living the way you want to. What two things did he learn? Number one, he learned my way is great. My way is great for a while. And then it turns very sour after a while. This is the greatest message of the Bible. You have a free will. You can do whatever you want to do with your life. You can pursue whatever you want to. It's not about good or bad. It's about my way or your way. And you say, I'm going to be a good person. That can still be your way. And let me make an announcement. It will go great for a while. And then it's going to turn sour on you. I got a lady got on me one night for talking about how much fun sin was. (laughs) Apparently she ain't never. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe folks don't ever get out of the house. I I don't know. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sin is a blast. It is. Well, you're looking at me funny. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Keep your finger in. Turn to Hebrews. Let, let me let Jesus tell you and put him under the bus. Hebrews chapter 11 is one. Of, see if this is not one of the greatest truths you ever saw. Hebrews chapter 11 is where the Bible talks. Now, sin, sin is not whiskey drinking and cigar smoking. Sin is just, I'm going to do what I want to do. S-I-N. I am going to have my ways right in the center of sin. And sin is simply to say to God, get out of my face. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you, you can be a minister and be like that, or you can be a hell's angel and be like that, but bottom line, it's your way. And I want you to look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. The Bible talks about a great man named Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden three months by his parents. He was a beautiful child. They weren't afraid of the king's command. That'd be a good verse for us in our land today. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You, you know the story. The, the uh, queen, I mean, the princess found him. She took him in as her own son. And she, that was her boy. And she raised him. But when he became a young man, he said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be your child. This guy had, I mean, he was the, uh, technically the grandson of the world's most powerful, richest man. He had luxury before him. He said, I don't want that. And the Bible said he refused to be called uh, her daughter. And verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. He said, I'd rather go out here and suffer with God's crowd. Now watch these words. Verse 25, choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the what? Does it say pleasures of sin? But well, even sin has pleasure. Sin's a blast. Yeah, you talk to me about this in private. Why don't you say amen in church? <laughs> Sin's a blast. It's, it's, the Bible says right there, sin has pleasure. What's the other word? Passing, what's the, what's the Greek word? Temporary. It's temporary. Don't waste your life on temporary stuff. And how many people, if you're my age and you work with people for years, how many times have you watched people taking off and they're so excited and you just go, see you when you come around the block. And lo and behold, every single time. Do you learn this from God's word? The pleasure of sin is temporary. It's short-lived. And uh, boy, the, as the scripture teaches, the, the bitter fruit of having my way lasts long after the cheap thrill of the pleasure. It, it doesn't matter what it is. All right, turn back to Luke chapter 15. So this young man decided to have it his way. I'm going to live like I want to live. And uh, here's what he found out. It was great for a while. Don't you know he was having a blast up there in that uh, Hilton Hotel? All them hookers coming up, uh, you know, and got the cocaine flowing freely. And I don't know, probably had MTV playing and whatever. He's just having a grand time. But all of a sudden, what does the Bible teach? All that ran out and and it was awful. How many people have I had tell me it looked good to start with? Same old story. All right. So that's what he pursued. He pursued his way. Now, there's another boy in this passage. He's a good boy. And this is, a, this is a fine young man. He, we'd put him on the board here. He was an outstanding young man. But what did he pursue in life? He didn't pursue hell raising and rock and roll. What did he pursue? He pursued religion. He became a... Can't you see that in this passage, Jesus is talking to ministers who don't understand the relationship God wants. Can't you see that the ministers are the elder brother in this passage? All right, what was the pursuit of this boy's life? What did he pursue? He didn't pursue the father. Let's look in verse 29 at what he pursued. Well, let's look in verse 25. His older son was in the field. He came near and drew the ho- near the house. He heard music and dancing. So, you know, it wasn't a Baptist house. 
called one of the servants, asked, what, what's going on? What do these things mean? He said, your brother came home because he received him safe and sound. And your father has thrown a feast, killed the fatted calf. All right. He was, he was angry. Or maybe he was Baptist. He was angry. <laughs> I'm going to get killed one day. In a... He was angry and would not go in. The father came out and talked to him, pleaded with him. I right, watch verse 29. He said, these many years I have been serving you and I never broke your commandment at one time. What's the two things he did? He kept every commandment and he lived to serve the father. That was that's religion. Wow. That's a picture of religion. You're all caught up on do's and don'ts and rules and keeping rules and you work all the time on serving. And he just pursued religion as a lifestyle. This is what Jesus is pointing to here. Now I often use the word religion. Let me define the word religion for you from scripture. He said, I've had, I've, I heard you say something about religion. Aren't you religious? Take a wild guess. I need to define the word religion for you apart from faith. Here, here's what, the, what religion is. It's Christian lifestyle and activity. You adopt a certain lifestyle and activity without a personal friendship and relationship with the Father. It's, it's activity. It's rules. It's, it's lifestyle. It's serving. But he's not real to you. There's no personal relationship. Let me quote to you from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Here's what the Bible said. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 describes what people will be like right before Jesus comes back. And it describes our day to a T. In verse 5, it says this, the people will, they will have a form of religion or formal religion, but no powerful relationship. They'll have a form of godliness. They'll go to church, they'll do things, but there's no power in their lives. The Holy Spirit's not there. That's religion. It's form without power. It's, it's religious activity and rule keeping and got to do this and got to do that. But there's no life to it. And that's exactly the biblical definition. And that's what this young boy pursued. Now, and here's the message of the parable. Which one of them missed it? Which boy missed it? The bad boy or the good boy? Yes. Both of them. Both of them missed their created purpose. One got into hell raising and hookers. The other got into religion. Both of them missed it. My goodness. And by the way, did you notice in here, the older son was looking down his nose at the younger son. He was just as far off as the younger son was. You can miss God through religion or you can miss him through cocaine. It doesn't matter. Both of them missed it a mile and uh, they missed their purpose in life. Worst thing that can happen to you is not for you to lose your job or lose a relationship with a person. Worst thing that happened to you is to live your life on this planet and find out you get the end. You missed the reason you were put here. And to miss your purpose on this planet. You got to find out why you was put on this planet. You will, your heart will never be satisfied. You will never be content until you say, this is what I was created to do. And you, all through the Bible, we see pictures of this. One of my favorites is in John chapter four, where there was a lady and she'd been sleeping with everybody in town. She'd been married five times. She's wearing the registered deeds out. Been married five times. Shacked up some guy she wasn't married to. And uh, Jesus walked up to her and he said, you, you filthy hussy, straighten your life out. Is that what he said? Jesus don't talk like that. Jesus walked up to her and I love what he said to her. He said this, he said, you keep drinking this water, you'll thirst again. He wasn't talking about the stuff. He said, you keep trying to find happiness in the way you're living. Your heart's never going to find happiness. He said, if you'll drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. He said, this is not what you were created to do, sweetheart. You were not created to jump from bed to bed, party to party. You were created to experience me. And if you will ever experience me, you'll find what you're looking for in these bedrooms. I love my Savior and the way he talks to people. He doesn't, listen, religion beats people up. Jesus brings people up. Amen. And he just, he just clarified for every human heart. I mean, see if this makes sense to you. The only one that can satisfy your soul is the one who created it. Somebody should write a song. I'm going to write one. It's going to go like this. Looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Looking for contentment in all the wrong places. Matter of fact, I love the passage in Isaiah. that says, why are you spending money for food that don't satisfy? Yep. Every man that thirsts, come to me. Freely drink. Mm -hmm. God made your heart. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy it. Amen. And a relationship with him is the only one that can do that.
And so both these boys missed it. All right, there's a third boy in this passage. There's actually three in here. You got the rebel, the religious one, and the one after relationship. And the wounded boy, after he got wounded, he did the smart thing. I want you to watch something, see what he pursued in verse 17. Luke 15, 17. When he came to himself, you know what that means, came to himself. I have a difficult time being polished in my speech. When people will tell me things they do, I see things they do, when I should say, bless your heart, I pray for you. I just want to say, you idiot. Are you idiot? You fell out the idiot tree and hit your head on every limb on the way down. What's wrong with you? Well, that's, that's how I learned how to talk like that in ministerial school. Came to himself literally means he quit being an idiot. And, and he came to his senses. Verse 17, he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants? They got, they're throwing food away and I'm dying. You know, it comes a day when you've got to realize this ain't working. This ain't the trick right here. Watch this. I will try to get a job at a church. Verse 18, I will try to get a job at a church. That's what he said. I'm going to go pursue the father. I'm going to chase the father. And I'll tell him I was wrong. Verse 20, he arose and came to his father. This boy who pursued his own way, what's he pursuing now? And he's not trying to be religious. He's not trying to quit crack or whatever he was doing. He's just chasing the father. He's going after God. And he said, I will pursue the father. I'm going to get up and go find the father. And he pursued him. Let me ask you a question. What did he find? He found the three things every human heart's looking for. Let's read verse 20. He arose and came to his father. Still a great way off, his father saw him and said, if he thinks he's going to come back up here after all the crap he's done. There was the Bible was written to teach you what God is like. And the father saw him. By the way, he didn't even apologize yet. He hadn't repented yet. Hadn't even asked for forgiveness yet. He just saw him. And the Bible said the father saw him and felt compassion. This is the greatest bane of religion. It's taught people that God's mad at you. God's not mad at you. His heart's tender toward you. That's right. Amen. He said, I hadn't even asked him to forgive me yet. Had he? Nope. Right. It was, it was, his heart was tender toward this boy. I got news for you. God loves people. Amen. And I, I don't mean technically loves, religious loves. I mean, his heart is tender toward people. But the spirit of religion, which is a demon spirit, has taught us that he's angry. He can't be angry. You know why he can't be angry? Even in North Carolina, we have a law called double jeopardy. You can't punish somebody twice for the same crime. Is that right? What happened at the cross? Isaiah 53, he hath poured out on him his wrath and the sin of us all was laid on him. He cannot be angry with me. He was angry with his son at the cross that took my place. That's why he's at peace. That's why we have peace with him. So he comes to his father. His father has compassion, verse 20, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can I point something out? Only place in the Bible you see God running. You can't find me in another place in all 66 books where God ran. This is the only place you see God running. What's he running to? Not running from somebody. He's running to his child. And he fell on his neck and kissed him. Now I want to ask you something. <clears throat> somebody kisses you. Is that a letter or is that, can you feel it? I mean, if it's a good kiss, you can feel it, can't you? This is a tangible expression of the love of God. I want you to feel the love of God in your heart. You don't feel it on your face, you feel it in your heart. And he expressed his love for him. And verse 21, 5 said, I, I've, I've sinned. I'm not worthy. Well, good. I'm, I wouldn't start with. Father said to the servant, go get some old cheap something or other. Get a burlap bag and throw it around him. <laughs> he said, go to my closet, get the best suit I got. Bring it out here and put it on him and, and get him a ring too. By the way, the ring was the family credit card. You took the ring and stamped the signet ring. You bought stuff with it and put sandals on his feet and, and kill the calf. I mean, barbecue. And we're going to eat and we're going to be merry. See the Greek word merry is our word glad. How many of you believe that God is glad? Amen. This is one of the greatest struggles people have because of what they've been taught. Because like you go to church and they call him God. God. Nobody with the name God smiles. <laughs> but I ask you, what is Jesus teaching right here? That when people just turn their heart, they don't even have to get it right. Just turn your heart toward him. And he's glad. That's right. I hate to tell you this. We serve a happy God. My father's happy. Amen. I can show you all through scriptures. In his presence is fullness of joy. Matter of fact, the Bible says he has made me glad. Yeah. He has put a new song in my mouth and made me glad. Pardon me. Yep. I, I think some folks should change God's and get this one right here. 
and he, and he said he was just glad and, and uh, just having a grand time. And verse four, my son was dead. He's alive again. He's lost. He's found. And they, what, is it, what does they mean? Me and God began to enjoy each other and be happy together. Yeah. What's this, what? Now remember, this is a parable. Jesus is trying to teach you a spiritual truth, the truth through a story. What's God looking for? Tim, get back out in the field, get to work for me. All I want you to do is just come home to me. I just want you to be my son. One of the hardest things people struggle with, I say it, people even choke on it, is the excitement of God. I don't even know God's excited. I'm standing watching uh, some soldiers come back from, I don't know where they'd been. They'd been somewhere a long way away because I saw the boat come in. And families are standing over and I got and why one of them tough dads. You, know you know what a tough dad is, don't you? You know them tough dads are. And them tough dads standing there. Pretty soon I saw them shoulders start shaking. He's crying like, he'd, like a baby. Just got to see his son. Well, see, that's a father that's excited about his son coming back. Yeah. That's, they just can't stomach this thing. I want you to look back with me in chapter, chapter 15, verse 3. Verse 3. Jesus said to the ministers, if a man had a hundred sheep, verse 4, and lost one, what would he do? Wouldn't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost till he finds it? What's the answer? Yes. Yeah, see, religion will kick you to the curb. I mean, you screw up, they'll throw you out of the church. But what will God do? You get away from him, he'll go after you. I mean, he'll pursue you. All right, when he catches you, what's he going to do? Kick the hell out of you and tell you better not do it again? I need to quit saying hell in church. Verse five, when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders. What? Rejoicing. Who's this talking about right here? We're not talking about furry animals. We're talking about people and the father. And he comes home, calls his neighbors, friends and neighbors said, rejoice with me. That's what we call church right there. Guess what church is? Father wants people to come together and celebrate with him the fact that his children have come back to him. It's perpetual celebration. Can you not see that God, this is the part of the parable about God being excited about people. I've had people say, I just don't, my own daddy didn't even like me. I can't help that. I'm sad for that. I got news for you. The God who created you is excited about you. And he loves you. This is his heart. Just as any good father would his children. So the Bible said that this boy came back home and he found three things when he came back to father. What's the first thing he found? He found the love that every heart's looking for. Your heart was created to be loved and to love. That's what it was created for. I love it. We started singing, we sang a song back in the 1970s when I first got saved that captures the truth of our lane. It says, I looked for love and the red rose so small. You may remember this. I looked for love and the green tree so tall. The red rose had its thorns. The green tree was a cross and my search for love was a total loss. I looked for love and a friendly face so true. I looked for love in religion I once knew. But the friend just called me friend. He said, I'm searching too. And religion only told me what I could not do. Then one day I heard a story about love like I'd never known. How God gave his son to save me and wanted me for his own. And now I know what it means to be loved. Not just a number in a crowd. It was the whole issue is every human heart is looking for the love of God. And he found it. All right, what's the second thing he found? The Bible said that not only did he have compassion and love him, but he said, now let's sit down and let's spend time together. What did he say? The issue is not that you were wasting money. The issue is not your sins. The blood can cover them. The issue is that I have not been able to enjoy you while you're away from me. And he said to the boy, come back in here and let's just, let's just eat together and have a big time. Let's just enjoy ourselves. And we're going to celebrate big. Now, some of you, you've still got young kids. My kids are grown and gone away from the house. My favorite time is when they all come home and I have to pay. And they all sit around the table. And we all just have the greatest time. You have to have a bookmark at our table if you're going to get a word in. And we're just laughing and encouraging and cutting up, having a grand time. That's the joy of a father's heart is when the children just come and visit with him. That's the heart of God. Can you not see in this passage, he's saying that he is a relational God. And he calls you to the table over and over. You see that. And then, of course, what's the third thing he found? What was he wanting to start with? Did he not get everything else he was wanting? Did he not get nice clothes? Did he not get the money back? Didn't he get nice shoes? He got everything he was looking for, but what did he get back first? The relationship came first. And the fellowship, you can call I call it friendship, fellowship came first, was the bottom line of what he was looking for. Everything else that came after him. What is the father pursuing? I don't want to show you something. What what did the father, Jesus is trying to teach religious people. 
I didn't come to kill sinners. There was God sent not at John 3, 16 is the most famous verse in the Bible. What does John 3, 17 say? God sent not his son into the world to damn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. He didn't send the, send the son to beat people up. He came to call people back. And what is the message of the, Jesus in this passage? Quit fussing at sinful people. And he said, the message is that the father wants them back in relationship with him. And I want to show you one of the wildest things in the Bible. I, I, a lot of people overlook this, but the father was so thrilled to get this boy back as he is when we all come home. That wasn't enough for him though, was it? Remember, he's got another prodigal out there. He's got a religious prodigal out there that won't come and talk to him either. I want you to look at me in verse 28, what he said here. Verse 28, the Bible says this. Uh, boy was angry. The elder brother was angry. Wouldn't go in. Watch these words. The father came out and what? Pleaded with him. You ever heard this song? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. The father came out and pleaded with this boy. Now I want to ask you a question. Pleaded with him to do what? Go work for him. He worked for him all the time. Keep Quit cussing. He never cussed. Never does as much as I do. He didn't plead with him to keep commandments or be religious or go to work. He pleaded him to do what? Would you just come in here and talk to me? Would you come inside and celebrate with us? He's pleading for this religious man who serves so much and keeps all the rules to come inside and get to know me better. Would you just come have a relationship with me? Tell me what the Father's heart is in this whole path. What is Jesus teaching that the heart of God is in this passage? Calling people into a relationship with himself. I want you to come to me and have a relationship with me. I'm not going to tell you again because I think we've been through this before. He really didn't create me to work for him. He could have done it without me. Amen. The heart of God is relationship. You were created to hear the voice of God Amen. and to enjoy him and to spend time with him and to get to know him personally. If you miss that, I don't care if you're the most religious person on earth. I don't care if you go to church every time the doors are open. You've missed your purpose of creation. If you don't walk with him and talk with him, you've missed the entire purpose of creation. And all right, here's the simple message. Everybody in this world, everybody in this room's in here somewhere. There's only one of three places you can be in life. There's three roads in life and you get to choose. Road number one is my way. And it doesn't matter whether you're a good person or a bad person or somewhere in between like the rest of us. Your way is still your way. There's only one way that can help you find what your heart's really looking for. We, we sing sometimes, I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. We don't call, listen, you don't add Jesus on like you do a life insurance policy. You give your entire life to him. Right. Jesus didn't say, see you when you die. Jesus said, follow me. You surrender all to him. I can do my way. I can be on a road that says my way. Uh, the second road I can be on is the road to religion. Listen, if you're on the road to my way, I, I love you. I'm pleading with you tonight. I don't care how good it's going now. There's going to be a day you're going to be disappointed. I was, when I was, you know, I was born back in model A days. I was a young boy. My favorite baseball player was a guy named Mickey Mantle. Is anybody old enough to remember Mickey Mantle? There's your old folks right there. Mickey Mantle was one of the greatest baseball. When I wasn't in Babe Ruth days, don't misunderstand me. I ain't. I'm not as old as Jack over. I mean, <laughs> I was Mickey, <laughs> I was Mickey Mantle days though. I love Mickey Mantle. And Mickey was one of the greatest ba baseball players ever. But Mickey lived such a self-centered, selfish life. And then he ruined his life as a drunk. He cut his career short with alcohol and then ruined his life as a drunk and died of a failing liver. And when Mickey died, right before he died, he befriended a country music singer named Roy Clark. And Roy wrote a famous song one time called Yesterday When I Was Young. Taste of Life. And it was talking about how that when I was young, I, I was so free and I wanted my way. And now that I'm old, it's a bitter end. And Mickey Mantle asked Roy Clark, would you sing that song at my funeral? That's my life story. I had everything and I wanted, but I wanted it my way. And here I am dying before my time. I've ruined my health, ruined my life. And it was a sad ending to a great baseball player's life. Ones, what does the Bible always teach? You get to make your decision, but the consequence is going to be held to pay one day. My way always ends up in disappointment. And then the second road that the other boy was on is the road of religion. <laughs> Pick my way over religion. At least you get to get drunk. <laughs> I'm sorry. Live short, die young, get out of the way. But let me tell you something about religion. It, it just, boy, it always leads to disillusionment. For the preachers that I know that started out on fire when we were young and in school together, 20 some years old, they're now mad at the people and beating on them because and, and, they, they kept rules and pushed a program instead of getting to know the Father. 
This religion will always leave you disillusioned. And uh, the Bible said this about it. He'll give you what you want, but your heart's going to be empty. Psalm 106, 15. He'll give you what you want, but your heart's going to be empty. Don't waste your life. You got one precious life. One life. Don't waste it. And then, of course, the third road. And uh, can I, let me tell you something I wrote in my journal. This my journal when he throws, shows me things in scriptures. And then I keep a little cheap book I get from uh, Dollar General. And I write that stuff down. And I saw this this morning. And I hope this don't offend you, but. The four Gospels, I read the four Gospels over and over, studying the life of Jesus. And the four Gospels have a couple of great outstanding messages over the four Gospels. One of them is this. God's greatest enemy is organized religion. That is the message of the four Gospels. Every step Jesus took, he had to fight religious people. He didn't fight the hookers. He didn't fight the tax collectors. It was religious people that fought him every step of the way. You said, well, Brother Brian, we know he fought the Pharisees, but surely you don't think today... I think nothing stands in the way of people knowing Jesus like organized religion. And dear ones, I'm going to tell you something. Do not settle for a religion when you can have a relationship with the greatest man that ever lived. Amen. Go a little further. Of course, the third road is that great road of a personal relationship with Jesus, the Father and the Spirit. You'll find what you're looking for. Yeah. It's all captured in one verse. Thom, thom, thir, from thoms. <laughs> Psalm 37, 4. Make the Lord the delight of your life. Delight yourself in the Lord. You'll find the desires of your heart. Amen. There's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. And dear ones, we want a relationship with him. That's why. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was a hell raiser and I was headed for, I was probably headed for the grave. I was certainly headed for prison. I mean, I'm 16, 17 years old trying to stand police off. I was headed for trouble. And I met Jesus. I had a real encounter with Jesus and this. I knew something had happened to me. So I turned to the people. The only thing I knew was just go to church. I said, tell me what to do. They didn't teach me how to follow Jesus. They taught me about religion. And man, because I'm a type A, we went wide open. If there's a commandment to be kept, I, I kept it. And by God, you're going to keep it too. And if the door was open, I was there. I went to the women's missions meetings. If they're going to have something at church, I'm going to be there. And I learned how to witness and I was good at it. I didn't win nobody, but they heard it. And pretty soon I got to where I couldn't stand myself. It was worse than when I was raised in hell. I, I wanted to find Jesus, but they grabbed me and they made me religious. And it just boogered me up. And I thought, but boogered me means you're in trouble. And in his great kindness, finally I decided I want a relationship. And I kicked religion to the curb. Relationship all boils down to one thing. Communication. Yeah. If you can't talk with somebody, you can't have a relationship with them. You were put on this earth to talk to God. And to let him talk to you and to get to know him and to walk with him and to learn to listen to him and abandon your life to him. Dear ones, religion made it so complicated. It's so simple. It's not hard. The Bible said this, you will find me when you search for me because I'm searching for you. You'll find him there. And it's just as simple as getting up every day and saying, I live to get to know Jesus. I live to enjoy the father. I might listen. I might I might pick up the phone. Somebody should preach a sermon called pick up the phone and let him talk to me. I like to, he tells me stuff like uh, whatever his word says and then I'm going to talk to him. Now listen to me. Don't start this, oh thou great Jehovah where it's thou dost abide. He looks at Gabriel and he says, who are they talking to? From the heart. Talk straight out of the heart. I don't talk to my wife like that. Talk from the heart. Learn to talk to the man. Learn to listen to him. Learn to follow him. And a relationship grows just like it does with a person. And it'll be Jesus' life. Listen to me. Don't ever... Most of us started in love with Jesus in a personal relationship. But I just want to sometimes church gets in the way, life gets in the way. Don't lose the personal relationship with Jesus. How many preachers do I know that started out in love with Jesus and church stole the relationship away? And they're working in church, but they hadn't heard Jesus in a long time. And maybe you know, you can keep a personal relationship going on forever, but you got to work at it. And maybe you, anybody here married? All right, is anybody here of all those that just said yes, have you had to work at it at all? You kill a flower by not watering it. You don't have to pour a roundup on it, just quit watering it. Relationships die because we don't work at them. 
Marriages die because we quit working at them. Our relationship with Jesus will die if we don't, quit, if we don't stop chasing him. Now I want to say this. You can chase Jesus and have a sweeter relationship. I've, I've been writing a lot of songs lately. I just wrote another called Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. Surely y'all know I'm making this crap up. I'm just taking credit for somebody else's stuff. But it was every day with Jesus should be sweeter than the day before. Do not neglect your relationship with the man. You can be older than dirt and still be brand new. Just like a marriage. You can be married. We've been married 40 years. That woman is still sweet. Start to say she's hot, but she's listening. Not so, but not say that. <laughs> It'd be hot when I get home, I'll tell you that. You can still work at it and it can be there. I don't quit, but tell you one of the neatest things I ever saw. Hope I'm crying to tell you this. I had a wedding uh, two, three weekends ago. I'm in wedding season right now. I got a lot of weddings. And uh, we had the wedding, got them officially married off there. It was hot, so the boys said, do it fast. So we did. Got them married off real fast. And we went into the barn there and they had, uh, you know, all that stuff they have. You know, first dance, last dance, middle dance, all that stuff. And so we finally get to it. We're sitting down and we're eating. And then we're going to have just dancing. We're open dancing out there on the floor. And everybody going to dance. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, everybody just gets out there and does their thing. And my buddy Chubb, he's the DJ. We, we come as a team. Me and Chubb, we go together now. And he's doing the DJ over there. And I'm sitting here at the table with the groom and bride's parents. And we're just visiting. And their brother's sitting there. And over right here beside me is the grandparents' table. And got all the grandparents over there. And once, they might have been great-grandparents. I don't know. They were 90-some years old. She was in a wheelchair. She couldn't walk. And 90-some years old. And I'm just, you know, I'm sort of watching them and watching the awkward, slightly awkward dancing out there. But the music's pretty good. And I just happened to be watching over there. And uh, Grandpa, he's 90 years old. Of course, his sweetheart, she's there in a wheelchair beside him. I saw him grin. Well, no teeth there, but he's grinning. <laughs> and I saw him lean over whispering something in here. And she just started grinning. And I thought, what do you say to light somebody up at 90-some years old? <laughs> Darling, you, I don't know what he told her. And uh, she just grinned. He jumped up out of that chair. He took that wheelchair and he pushed it out there. Got on the dance floor, locked it down, turned around, picked her up. She couldn't move her legs at all. And he just stood there and he danced for the both of them. Aww. Now, don't you know, 90s, they've probably been married 70 years. Still dancing like that and carrying on. Let me make an announcement. Somebody had to work at that. Yeah. That man said, I'm going to make sure we keep this relationship sweet. She probably had to cooperate too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dear ones, don't you understand that marriage is a picture of me and Jesus? Mm-hmm. It's the, that's why we're called the bride of Christ. It's not about working and not doing wrong. Get off of it. You're going to probably do wrong anyway. Come see you preach. I forgive you. I announce you forgiven, bless you, and all that stuff. Get over it. Put some holy water on you out there. <laughs> Don't you know they had to work at that relationship? Yeah. That's the reason you was born. Right. Work at that relationship and you make sure that it never dies. Don't ever let it come to an end. Just get up every day and say, I need you. All right, let me quit. I do want to throw one more thing in. Has you been married? You ever screwed up? Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, have you ever messed up in your marriage? Like said something stupid? Didn't say what you're supposed to. How'd you know you'd done wrong? This is, I'm talking to the guys. The girls don't listen. How'd you know you did wrong? <laughs> Come in the house. Hey, baby. Baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> and I mean, it's summertime, but the temperature is about 12 below zero in there. <laughs> and you think, uh, what mean is this, right, y'all? My, my, a mannequin doesn't move to my house. <laughs> and, uh, okay, guys, let's do this together. What do you always say? What's wrong, baby? Uh, Girls, tell them what the answer always is. Nothing. Nothing. It's never nothing. It's always, everything's fine. I just, Iceman came in here and froze me over. <laughs> I'm paralyzed. And so let me help you guys. When that happens, look, listen to me. Let me help you. You've done something stupid. Some of you been there 30 years. You didn't know that. When she's cold as ice, you've done something stupid. When she won't talk to you, something's wrong, Bubba. So I'm sort of enjoying it. <laughs> no, 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 that's not right. You've done something wrong. Let me, let's go deep here. You can do one of two things. You can walk out and leave. 
forever. Or you can fix it. You, if you keep saying, what, what did I do wrong, baby? She'll keep saying nothing. But if you keep saying it, get ready, boys. Because the dam's fixing to break. And it's going to hit you all at one time. Like a buzzard gut in the face. You're going to find out what you did wrong. Then we got to do some repair work. Get our tools out, do some repair work. And, and you got to say words like, sorry. And it better be, I'm sorry. Can't say you're sorry. You got to say, I'm sorry. And you know, the cool thing about all that is, yeah, yeah. When it's all said and done, you just get to waller all over each other. And it's a blast, man. You get to make up and have a grand time. That's called friendship. Go back to fellowship and again. Dear ones, it's a relationship. If something's between you and Jesus, don't just walk off and forget it. Go back and say, what's wrong? Yeah. What's, how come I don't hear you no more? Well, what happened to what we used to have here? And, and listen to me. He won't, he won't do you like that. He will tell you what's wrong. Because yeah. he's chasing you too. He's pursuing you too. In my old age, I don't want five minutes away from Jesus. I done accomplished everything I need to accomplish in this life except knowing him better. And if you will pursue Jesus, you'll find in him everything your heart's looking for. All right, I said I was done. Can I tell you one more quick story? Methodist ain't even done yet. Let me tell you one more quick story. I think I've told this before, but I'm 64, so people like me do this. Everything you're looking for is in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's, if you'll find Him, you'll find everything you're looking for. I did tell you this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Years ago, and this, this is a true story. I know preachers don't tell true stories much, but this one just happens to be. Turn of the last century, early 1900s, there was an industrialist who was married. He's a wonderful man, very generous man. Couldn't have children, him and his wife, and he always wanted a son. She finally got pregnant, had a little boy. She died in childbirth. His heart was broken because he loved her dearly. And, uh, but he wrapped his life around that little boy, had a nursemaid came and took care of him and whatnot. And the little boy was four years old. He died. Back then, you know, in the early 1900s, you didn't have the protection that we have now. And he died. And the man absolutely grieved himself to death. It just, it just broke his heart. I've had a few folks like that, not over a child, but I've seen folks do it over a mate before. And it just broke his heart, grieved himself to death. And so the time came out a huge estate, all the stuff, they're going to auction off his stuff. And so the auction day came and they had it all out there, whatnot, and get it all lined up. People came to buy this junk, you know, stuff, go after your stuff after that. And uh, so they're looking at the stuff and all of a sudden it comes to the auction. They all gather out there in front of the auction block here. And uh, the auctioneer starts auctioning. He holds up a, a cheap, you know, back then you didn't have cell phones and you had them, I don't know if you remember this or not, had them, you get your head up behind that box and throw a rag over your head and hold the thing up and go poof, they take a picture. Y'all remember that? Well, you saw them on TV, old Western movies and stuff. And had an old cheap grainy photograph of the boy. It's the only picture of the boy, just a little photograph of him. And he said, we're going to auction the picture of the, the man's son off first. So we're going to auction off first. Well, the problem was, <clears throat> and nobody wanted that. They didn't come for some old picture of the child. They wanted his tapestries and his antiques and his stuff. They wanted the nice stuff. They were after the other stuff. And uh, finally, nobody said anything. Finally, from the back, uh, a voice spoke up and said, 10 cent, 10 cent. And it was the lady, it was the nursemaid. She'd come to the auction. She didn't have that kind of money. But she thought, maybe I could just get something as a memento. Uh, you know, from this, and she saw that and realized, no, I could get that. So she offered 10 cents for the picture. And he, you know, he waited, you know, twice, three times going and hit his gavel, sold to the lady in the back. She came, got the picture. And then he hit his gavel again. He said, the auction's over. He said, the man wrote in his will, auction the picture of my son off first. Whoever wants my son, give him everything else I've got. The whole estate goes to the lady who wanted the son. Then when I heard that story, I said, that is the Bible. <laughs> In him dwells all the fullness. Everything you're looking for is in Jesus. If you just go after Jesus and want to have a relationship with him, you'll find all the stuff you're looking for in life. You'll find the peace. You'll find the happiness. You'll find your heart's contentment. I've never lacked for anything financially. I've been blessed beyond material. But dear ones, pursue Jesus. You'll find everything your heart's looking for. Pursue religion. You're going to be mean as this elder brother. Pursue your way, you're going to smell like pig crap. 
Pursue the Father. You'll find everything your heart's looking for. Amen. And keep doing it. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. I don't know how in the world we took something that's so simple as the Bible and the love of a father and the love of a son and the love of the spirit. How did we take something so simple and make it so complicated? Father, nowadays you got to go to college for 11 years to be able to preach. Where did that come from? I thank you and praise you that you've made it so simple a child can understand it. I am the light of the world. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. You'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger. I don't know how you could say it any plainer that everything we're looking for is in a relationship with you. Father, we're trying to fix our families and fix our mess and fix our addictions and fix our past mistakes and fix our country. Your word said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Thank you that when we find you, we find everything we're looking for. I want to pray for every person in this room. I don't know where people are at. I don't know whether they're on the road of my way, the my way highway that leads to the die way. <laughs> Maybe they are. I don't know whether they're real religious and just frustrated because I thought it'd be better than this. Father, I pray to Jesus. Even on a Wednesday night, people just say, you know what? Jesus is the way. And I'm going to turn my heart toward Jesus and just pursue him and seek him. And if I'll get up tomorrow morning and say, dear Jesus, you're still there? Every morning, when my, when I, the moment I gain consciousness, I look up and I say, you still there? Well, I don't wait for a feeling. I know you are because you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. And we start talking first thing in the morning before I ever get out of bed. And I just love you. I enjoy the fellowship more than anything else on this earth. But I want everybody to know Jesus. But I want most of all the message to go out. I don't care how bad you have screwed up. I don't care what you've done. Turn your heart toward home and he'll be there waiting. Everybody, I trust you for that, Lord Jesus. I just want everybody to be there. Thank you for your goodness and grace. The sole secret to life is hidden in plain sight. Right there in the Bible. And I just now want to pray for folks that have been hanging around with you for a long time. Don't let this relationship die. I pray for people that they'll just keep working at it. Keep working at it. And, and when something's cold, what, what's wrong, Jesus? Father, is there, some, is there a problem here? We'll get it straight. I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness and grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for your word that is life. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.